okay, wait, this is the remix. The legal lens is back at it again with Angela Red Eye Bright. Go tell a friend. Unions in the labor movement, employment, law, and doing the right thing. Reparations in COVID-19, voting rights, the insight is priceless. Can't be a late talk, you know we got it. Come on, let's go. It's time for the legal lens show. Come on, let's go. Hello, KBLA Talk 1580 listeners. This is the third weekend of February 2024, and you are tuned in to KBLA Talk 1580, The Legal Lens with Angela Redock Wright Show, and this is yours truly, Angela Redock Wright. On The Legal Lens Show from week to week, our mission is to bring law to light each Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and each Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We are broadcasting to you from our Lamert Park studios, which are based in the famous Crenshaw District of Los Angeles. And I always invite you to come to the Crenshaw area and the Lamert Park area where there's always something great happening. Um, This month, we have been celebrating Black History Month all month long. And we've had some great guests giving insights to some of the issues that impact um, African-Americans and Black Americans today. And the one thing that I love about Black history is that it's not just limited to the month of February, but Black history exists all the time. And we can celebrate Black history at any time because African-Americans and Black Americans and Black Blacks throughout the African diaspora have done so many wonderful things, but we are super excited to just give light to it this month, especially. Um, Many thanks to J-Star for our Legal Lens Jingle Remix. We always love it. It gets us going. And kudos to J-Star for all the great things she's doing in the music industry and entertainment industry. And you can follow her and learn more about her at J-Star Music on Instagram. And you can follow KBLA Talk 1580 on all socials. In fact, we invite you to do that and also to download our app where you can take us with you anywhere on the go. Not only can you listen to the Legal Lens Show on the go, we know it's the weekend and you're out and about and you have wonderful and great things to do, especially as you're out celebrating Black History Month. Um, But you can download the app to listen to our show as well as the many other great shows on KBLA Talk 1580 including the show of our founder and visionary, Tava Smiley, which airs each weekday, as well as the show of Dominique DePrima, our beloved Dominique DePrima, who, by the way, was recently um, honored by the City of Los Angeles Civil Rights Division for her longtime work in media and bringing light to so many of the issues that uh, face us here in Los Angeles and California and throughout the nation. So kudos, Dominique. We are so proud of you. So you can listen to her show as well as the many other great week weekday lineups as well as the weekend lineups, including the Legal Lens Show. You can follow me, Angela Redock Wright, on Instagram and Facebook at I am Angela Redock Wright. And I invite you to do so because um, that's our way of interacting with you throughout the week, knowing what's on your minds, knowing what you're thinking about, and also to know what else we're doing in the legal and broader community. So please give us a follow on I am Angela Redock Wright and let me know you are there. By the way, you can also, for those of you who listen regularly, you know we are about two and a half years into um, having the Legal Lens Show as a part of our KBLA Talk 1580 family. And um, you can listen to 
every single episode of The Legal Lens Show by going to our Spotify page, the Legal Lens Spotify page. And you can go from day one in October, 2021, when we had our first guest on from the Genesee Center, a nonprofit here in Los Angeles that focuses on women and domestic violence issues. Um, you can listen to that show and the over 100 shows that we have produced, um, probably produced and brought to you in this last two and a half years. So please go to Spotify and listen to and download any shows that you may have missed in the past. And finally, tell a neighbor about the show because we have a, a friend, a neighbor, a family member, call them up, tell them to tune in right now to download the app because we have a great show planned for you today. It's a part of our continued series on reparations. And by the way, uh, fellow KBLA Talk 1580 host Dominique de is also running a Friday series on reparations. And so uh, this is a, a topic that's near and dear to our heart at the station, one which we are paying close attention to. And um, we're picking up on our series over the last two and a half years on reparations uh, with our guest today, attorney Camila Moore, who has been on the show um, twice before or three times before, no, twice before, I'm sorry. And um, today she joins us her third time. Um, she is, you may recall, she is a repertory justice scholar, um, meaning that she knows a lot about reparations and is passionate about this issue and makes it her business to stay up to date and to be a leading thought leader on this issue. Um, she was the chair of the California Reparations Task Force. Um, that task force was formed in 2021 with, a, uh, with legislation from former um, California uh, Assemblywoman Shirley Weber, who is now our California Secretary of State. Um, she authored legislation to form the task force, and that task force came about in 2021 and did its work over the course of about two and a half years and concluded in June, July 2023 by presenting their um, findings and recommendations to California Governor um, Gavin Newsom and also to the California legislature. Um, Attorney Moore chaired that task force um, for the two and a half years, and we have invited her today to share with us updates um, on what's happening with reparations in California um, since they presented that uh, report to the governor and to the legislature and to give us insights as to what happens next and what she as a leader on this topic would want to see happen next in terms of reparations, the discussion about reparations in California and in the nation and beyond. Um, as I mentioned, we've had her on the show before. We've also had California State Senator Steve Bradford on the show, who was also a member of the task force. And we've twice had um, two attorneys, Tony Tober and um, attorney Radinsky, Adam Radinsky on the show from the Pay the Tap podcast. Um, and they were just on a couple of weeks, a few weeks ago, also providing updates on reparations, both in California and in the nation. And so we're excited to have attorney Moore today join us to provide us updates from her perspective. And particularly, she will be weighing in on the package of legislation 
that was just um, released by the California Legislative Black Caucus in terms of um, legislation that they are putting forward um, to help advance the discussion and move the ball with respect to um, reparations in the state of California. And she'll also be commenting on a package that California State Senator Bradford, Steve Bradford also presented in addition to the package of bills that were presented by the California Legislative Black Caucus. So we are excited about this conversation. We are excited to see that the conversation continues to evolve both in California and throughout the nation. And we are um, honored to have someone who is a thought leader and influencer in this discussion in the form of attorney Camila Moore on our show today. Before we bring her in in our next segment, let me just share with you a few statistics from the Pew Research Center. Um, they issued a report um, in 2022, in November 2022, um, studying um, Black and white American perspectives on the issue of reparations for enslaved Black people uh, who are Black Americans who are the descendants of enslaved people in America and whether reparations are due to those descendants, uh, which would include myself and my family. Um, and some of the statistics won't surprise you, but just very quickly, 77% of Black Americans compared with 18% of white Americans support reparations for the descendants of enslaved people, not surprising. Um, Black Americans most are most likely to say that the legacy of slavery affects Black people in the U.S. Um, a fair amount and that Black Americans in the U.S. are deserving of reparations. And then three quarters of Americans who support reparations say the federal government should be responsible for repayment compared to, say, state governments like California. And the majority of reparation supporters think that financial assistance for education, businesses, and homes would be helpful forms of repayment in addition to monetary compensation. And then most Americans who support reparations for slavery say, unfortunately, that this is unlikely to happen in their lifetime. But those who are avid supporters of reparations, um, including Attorney Moore and some of our past guests, do believe that reparations are possible in our lifetime. I also am hopeful and believing that, you know, for African-Americans as a whole, that we will see this in our lifetime. And so with those statistics um, and the study from the Pew Research Center, I invite you to come forward with us on The Legal Lens Show, where we again welcome Attorney Camila Moore, the um, chair of the California Reparations Task Force, which completed its work in 2023, as she provides us the latest updates and insights on this issue. You don't want to miss the show. You don't want to miss the regular updates we're providing throughout KBLA Talk 1580 on this vital topic of reparations for African-Americans, for Black Americans, um, the descendants of enslaved people in the United States. Come forward with us on KBLA Talk 1580, The Legal Lens Show. We always have a lot to talk about. More of Legal Lens with Angela Reddick-Bright. Helping you see legal issues more clearly when we come forward. Hot-button political, economic, social, and cultural issues as seen through a legal lens. Now back to Angela Reddick-Bright. 
Thank you for coming forward with us on KBLA Talk 1580. This is The Legal Lens with Angela Show. And today we are excited to welcome uh, now for the third time returning guest, Attorney Camila Moore. Good morning, Attorney Moore. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me again. Angela. Of course, of course. We're so excited to receive updates on uh, reparations in California and beyond um, in our discussion with you today. But let me just remind our listeners a little bit about who you are and your background. Attorney Moore is a repertory justice scholar and an attorney with a specialization when she's not working on reparations in entertainment and in intellectual property law. Um, as a law student, she'll remind us of this, um, she first contributed to human rights reports related to domestic and international human rights issues, and that's where she developed her passion for the issue of reparations and human rights. She earned her Juris Doctorate degree from Columbia Law School in New York City and a Master's of Law degree in International Criminal Law from the University of Amsterdam International and a bachelor's degree from University of California, Los Angeles, Go Bruins. She was the chair of the California Reparations Task Force, um, appointed to that position in 2021, and they concluded their work in 2023. She's twice been on the Legal Lens Show, updating us on issues and reparations, and we are happy to have her return today uh, to give us the latest and the greatest on this topic. So, Attorney uh, Moore, uh, give us a little more insight, remind us um, of your background leading to your work in reparations and your work on the California Reparations Task Force. Uh, so, I was appointed to the task force by the uh, then uh, Speaker of the State, Assembly Anthony Rendon. And, you know, I really, anyone in the state of California could apply to be on the task force once uh, AB 3121, which is a statute that created the task force, was signed into law by Governor Newsom. Uh, but I really leveraged my, you know, experience um, studying human rights um, in a domestic and international lens while at Columbia Law School and at the University of Amsterdam Law School uh, to be on the task force because when I was reading the statute that created the task force, one of the provisions were that, um, you know, the final recommendations had to comport with international human rights law standards. And so kind of leveraged the expertise that I had in that area um, to be on the task force and ultimately to um, also um, lobby to be chair of the task force at our first meeting. Well, wonderful. And then... Um... I know we like loosely use the word um, reparations um, in our everyday, you know, lingo, but remind us as someone who truly is an expert on this topic, what do we mean when we use the word reparations and particularly as it relates to African-Americans who are the descendants of enslaved individuals in the United States? Absolutely. So, um, you know, Putting reparations in the historical context as it relates to African-Americans who are descendants of persons enslaved in the United States, you know, reparations is not only for, you know, the federal government, and then also, you know, we'll talk about California's role in enslavement, but really also about um, the lingering badges and incidents of slavery, um, right? Specific instances of um, state-sanctioned racism, um, systemic racism and discrimination faced by this particular group. Uh, under international law, um, there are five forms of reparations, and 
Um, compensation is one of, you know, the elements. Um, also under international law, you can't necessarily call a reparations program full and effective unless it includes all five of those forms. So compensation is one of those forms of reparations under international law. But the other four forms are um, non-compensatory in nature, like rehabilitation um, or restitution, um, satisfaction that gets at more symbolic forms of repair, um, like the renaming of streets or the taking down of Confederate monuments. And then the, the fifth form of reparations under international law is guarantees of non-repetition. And you know, that gets at more structural and institutional policy change. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Wonderful, wonderful. And um, the work of the California African American Task Force, um, as you mentioned Assembly Bill, what's the number? Um, AB 3121. Okay. And that established the, allowed the task force itself to be established. Who, do you recall who the Assembly person was that carried that bill or authored that bill? Yes, absolutely. Uh, the assembly member who authored that bill, I regard as, you know, the architect of reparations in the state, uh, Shirley Weber, uh, before she became um, the state's first African-American secretary of state. Um, she uh, was assembly member and um, authored AB 3121. Um, actually, it's a really unique story. Um, one of her interns at the time, Maureen Simmons, you know, worked closely with um, then assembly member Weber, in cultivating this this legislation, so um, give credit to the to them, uh, but particularly Secretary yes, Weber. Yeah, yes, we love Secretary Weber and have had her on the show as well. And so, um, I have to invite her back to to get more around her thinking when she authored Assembly Bill thirty one twenty one. And so, it's great to see someone like you and the others um, on the task force to kind of carry out her legacy. Um, remind us um, what what was the um, setup of the task force, the California Reparations Task Force, and what was the the length and extent of the the work that you all did as a task force? Right. So uh, AB thirty one twenty one created a nine member task force. So the members comprised of academics, um, 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 you know, clergy members, elected officials. Um, you know, human rights scholars like myself. Um, it it was an, an eclectic and um, um, brilliant, I think, group of folks, um, civil rights attorneys, um, also on this task force. Um, we uh, received the assistance from the California DOJ um, civil rights section, um, mm -hmm. and they tasked about probably like twenty attorneys. Um, in terms of the work product, oh, 20 um, attorneys from the California DOJ? I think so about oh, that. Okay. Um, I didn't realize and, that there was such a, I knew there was support, but that, that sounds quite significant to have 20 attorneys. Right. On this and, and a few PhD students who also worked for the section as well, assisted us in, you know, drafting, you know, our work product, which was our 500 page interim report that we released um, a year into our work, June, 2022. Um, and then our nearly 1,100 page final report that we produced um, at the end of our work, which was June 29th, 2023. Right. Um, and so um, the task force, we held over 16 public hearings, initially virtual and then, you know, in person across the state of California, um, hearing from the community. Um, but in, in all, our mandate was to study 
um, but not only study um, to develop reparations proposals for, for African Americans. Um, and we produced um, about 115 or so final recommendations um, to conclude you know, our official role and capacity as a state commission, we, we served as a legislative advisory body. And so that was our official role and responsibility was to, you know, advise the state legislature on the types of reparation proposals that they should implement. Okay. Um, ultimately, the governor would sign it into law. Right, right. And I definitely want you to kind of remind us of some of the highlights of, of the task force report and recommendations. But um, I think it's interesting in the 16 public hearings that you conducted, um, we've started to to see more uh, like the Pew Research Center, for example, um, did a study on reparations and how many people support reparations um, throughout the U.S. Um, and not surprisingly, it's um, divided among racial lines. Like most African-Americans believe there should be reparations and particularly in the form of compensation, some type of compensation. And white Americans often don't believe that there should be reparations or that it should be in the form of compensation. In those 16 public hearings, did you have people on both sides of the aisle, you know, saying they support and those who don't support it as well? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, and I guess you can say, um, you know, the experience in person kind of matched with that polling because, you know, there were definitely white, white, white people, um, non-Black people who were in support of reparations and cash and cash payments for descendants of slaves. But, you know, I, I can think back to some instances where there either, you know, were white folks calling from public co uh, on the phone or in person who you know, were vehemently against reparations and cash compensation in particular. So, um, And did yeah. you find Caucasians <laughs> that are others, not uh, non-African-Americans who were supportive? Because um, we had the the two hosts from the Pay the Tab podcast on a couple of weeks ago. And one of the theories that they espouse is that for reparations to really, really be embraced in the U.S. that we need, I think their their number was, they suggested that polling shows at least 30 to 40 percent of Caucasians in particular to show support for reparations. Um, is that would you agree with that or is that consistent with your understanding? Oh, yes, um, absolutely. So we, uh, the task force, we received um, a lot of support from, you know, non-Black groups um, as well, particularly for cash payments. And, you know, even today, there's a, a community group that worked closely with the task force, uh, Coalition for Just and Equitable California. Mm -hmm. uh, they are organizing co a coalition, co coalition organizing for reparations that's multicultural um, in nature and is pushing, um, you know, the issue of a strong reparations package, particularly to you know, the California Legislative Black Caucus at this moment. Okay. And that's a good transition. So remind us, um, I know you had 116 recommendations overall. Oh, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, give give us some highlights. What? How would you um, kind of summarize what the, the recommendations or what the key recommendations were from the task force? Right. So the key recommendations from the task force, uh, all of them were kind of um, formulated to um, target um, or in all to eradicate what we identified as the 13 major areas of systemic discrimination 
that um, disproportionately impact African-Americans, those who descend from slaves. Uh, and so again, each of these policy recommendations uh, were meant to eradicate those, those 13 major badges and incidents of slavery from you know, racial terror, you know, the idea that uh, Black Americans are the number one victims of hate crimes in this state and in this country. Um, political disenfranchisement was one of the badges and incidents of slavery we, we identified and created recommendations around. Um, racism in the environment and infrastructure, for instance. Um, you know, uh, we had recommendations related to labor. Um, we had recommendations related to um, health, mental, physical, public health. We had recommendations related to the criminal legal system. Um, we had recommendations related to the wealth gap and on and on. And so um, more specifically or concretely, you know, some of the recommendations included the creation of a new state agency um, for descendants of slaves where, where um, claims can be processed for compensation, but then also a place and a space, spaces for for those to um, receive direct services like housing, education, business grants, um, to also, the agency would also provide necessary oversight to existing state agencies and even some institutions in the state um, to, to ensure, you know, um, you know, this particular population's rights, privileges, immunities are no longer being, are not being abridged. And so, uh, for instance, just a, um, a brief aside, you know, San Francisco, the city had their own reparations task force, and they also recommended a similar um, office, an office of reparations. Um, and um, they initially asked um, the city for $5 million, $4 million to house that office. Uh, but unfortunately, um, the mayor um, actually slashed that, you know, citing a budget deficit. Um, and so, you know, and we're, you know, uh, there's... Uh, uh, activists in statewide who are, you know, hoping that that doesn't become a reality on a state level because, you know, in any instance where, you know, society has provided reparations to a group, there has to be some type of infrastructure mm -hmm. to, um, to to sustain those claims. Right. Um, but the, we had um, several other, you know, recommendations um, in the task force as well, like, you know, free education for descendants of slaves or, you know, property tax release for descendants of slaves in formerly redlined areas. We recommended the creation of Black wellness centers in Black communities um, to address, you know, um, our disparate health outcomes. Um, and of course, we also addressed compensation and recommended compensation. Um, we actually hired five economists, including Dr. Darity and the late William, Dr. Spriggs, William Spriggs, who is the Dean of Economics at Howard University. And these five economists and public policy experts um, delved into the data and found state responsibility for five particular um, state atrocities from health harms. Oh, that's a great place to pause. Let's pick up yeah. the, um, there um, what the five areas are when we come forward. You're tuned into KBLA Talk 1580. This is the Legal Lens Show, and we are speaking with top reparations expert and human rights activist, attorney Camila Moore. You don't want to miss this conversation. Disagree without disrespect. Make your point and keep it pushing. Let's do this. Listen and learn or talk and teach. Talking and listening around the clock. Around the clock. Around the clock. KBLA Talk 1580. Find a righteous range and don't be afraid to say what you see for KBLA Talk 1580. Thank you for continuing 
with us on KBLA Talk 1580. This is the Legal Lens Show. And we are in conversation today with attorney Camila Moore, now her third time on our show. We're always grateful to have her. She's providing us with the latest updates on reparations, in particular in the state of California. Uh, just before we came forward, attorney Moore, you were um, gave us a nice overview of the recommendations, highlights of the recommendations of the task force and the findings of the task force. And you mentioned mentioned that the, you all hired with respect to the compensation issue, um, five um, experts, um, economists, and that they presented on the state, I believe it's the state atrocities um, mm -hmm. and how in coming up with the economy or the economics of reparations in California. Continue with that. Yes. And so um, again, under international law, compensation is one necessary of five elements of reparations. And so the task force took that that requirement seriously. We hired five economists um, and they, uh, within a year and a half, uh, collected data to uh, um, demonstrate um, state responsibility or culpability in five um, areas from devaluation of black businesses, showing that there has been you know, state discrimination that has um, limited the amount of Black businesses that should exist in this state. Um, you had unjust property takings. Uh, we identified as a state-sanctioned atrocity, uh, mass incarceration and over-policing, housing mm -hmm. segregation. We talk about the state's role in redlining and racially restrictive covenants, and then also health harms, right? We found through the data that there's a seven to seven and a half year life expectancy gap between Black Californians and white Californians. And so the, the economists kind of um, came up with numbers um, that demonstrated the, the state's culpability um, in these harms. And so the idea is that, um, you know, Black Californians, those who descend from slaves, um, should receive compensation for the state's role in perpetuating these five areas, these five atrocities. Um, and so... Yeah, that that that's the, right. That's the and what was the, the price tag associated with was it is was mm -hmm. the price tag associated with the compensation piece only or the overall package of, of recommendations from the task force? I believe. Well, it was you know, yeah, in the media, you know, associated million. a price tag of like one point two million dollars per person to, um, you know, um, and and some of of each of those five areas. But you know, some of my other task force members, like member Jovan Scott Lewis, you know, he framed this in a in a brilliant way. Um, he served on the economics advisory committee with me, where we kind of led this work, um, we weren't recommending the state give money to descendants of slaves. We're recommending the state return money stolen and dispossessed um, through the state's role and responsibility in perpetuating these, these harm areas. Um, and so that's kind of like the framing that we're encouraging folks to look through it. I mean, um, um, so yeah. Yeah, and that, that is a brilliant way to look at it. And so what's the big question? What's happened um, since the task force submitted its report? Are you pleased with yes. the direction uh, that we're going in the state? Um, thank you for that question. Um, so the task force, we ended our work June 29th, 2023. So it's been about seven months um, since then. Um, and so the, the California Legislative Black Caucus has you know taken the mantle um, kind of taking the baton from the task force and has taken the initiative 
um, as members of the state legislature to turn um, some of our recommendations um, into you know legislation, and then ultimately it'll be up to Governor Newsom to sign you know any given legislation into law. Um, in terms of the bills um, that have been introduced. Um, on the whole, um, you know, I am satisfied. Um, but oh, wait, let me just pause you there. So just to bring our listeners up to date. So recently, the California Legislative Black Caucus, which consists of primarily the um, African-American members of the California legislature and some other, you know, who are non-African-Americans have come together to put together a package, what they call a package of reparations bills. And that made the news, the LA Times, Times and some other periodicals um, just recently. And um, I've seen Attorney Moore out talking about this and talking about some of the strengths of what's been presented um, by the, the Black Caucus and what some of the challenges are. So take it from there, Attorney Moore. What were your thoughts about the package of bills that the California Legislative Black Caucus have put together? Yes. Um, well, um, you know, on the whole, I do applaud the COBC for, you know, taking the initiative um, to introduce, you know, a package of bills based on our, our recommendations. Uh, but, you know, just to be transparent and honest, you know, having conversations with the community, uh, you know, there is some, you know, non-satisfaction around, um, you know, the 14 bill package as well. I mean, I, just to, to stay on the positive, I think I want to highlight, uh, for instance, there is a bill related to an apology, you know, for the state issuing a formal apology for human rights violations and crimes against humanity on African slaves and, and their descendants. You know, there are some members of the community saying, you know, we don't need an apology. We need cash. But, you know, as someone who has studied international human rights law, apology, an apology is a necessary uh, component for repair. And it also sets, um, you know, um, the group up for, you know, potential stronger um, legislation um, in the future, you know, having the state recognize and acknowledge formally um, its role and its culpability is, is a necessary prerequisite. Um, but just to highlight just for your audience, some other um, bills within the CLBC's um, package, um, you have AB 929 um, introduced by Tina McKinner, which would expand access to career technical education by creating a competitive grant program to increase enrollment of descendants of slaves in STEM related programs. And you know, that's a really, I think, historic piece of legislation in the sense that it's one of the first pieces of legislation that's narrowly tailored to descendants of slaves as a population group. Um, and so I think that's a, a, um, a bill that deserves uh, praise in, in that sense as well. Um, you have other bills like from um, Assemblymember McCarty that would create a career education financial aid for red line communities. Um, I can go on or maybe can pause um, and share some other bills within the package. Right, right. And do any of the bills include um, the compensation component or recommend the compensation component? No, and that's a major critique and flaw of the CLBC's uh, 14 bill priority package in that there is no um, standalone bill uh, for compensation, you know, and as under international law, again, you know, compensation is a necessary element. The task force had a requirement to recommend reparations that fulfilled all five forms. And I personally believe that that, that responsibility should extend to the legislature as well. 
given the role of the task force being an advisory um, body to the legislature. And do you think it's just a, a fear to put something like that forward or maybe a feeling that it wouldn't be supported? Um, any Did the Black Caucus share any thinking around why there was not a specific compensation component in the package? Well, in the press release um, announcing this package, um, you had the chair of the California Legislative Black Caucus, um, Assemblywoman Lori Wilson, who I do respect, um, saying, you know, while many only associate direct cash payments with reparations, the true meaning of the word to repair involves much more. Um, as laid out in the report, we need a comp comprehensive approach to dismantling the legacy of slavery and, and systemic racism. And so, you know, I think, um, you know, the idea is, you know, for right now, they're tackling to her words issues ranging from criminal justice reforms to property rights to education, civil rights and food justice. Um, and the idea is that this is a multi-year effort. You know, there are over 100 rec recommendations. Um, and so to be optimistic, you know, um, you know, maybe it'll be addressed in the, the second half of the legislative session or, you know, in the next year. Let's see. Right. And perhaps as public opinion changes about more broadly about, you know, whether there should be compensation or not. So we are having a great conversation with attorney Camila Moore. You don't want to miss um, our next two segments where we close out the conversation Tuned into KBLA Talk 1580, The Legal Lens with Angela Show. More of Legal Lens with Angela Reddick Wright. Helping you see legal issues more clearly when we come forward. Hot button political, economic, social, and cultural issues as seen through a legal lens. Now back to Angela Reddick Wright. Thank you for coming forward with us on The Legal Lens Show. We are in conversation with attorney Camila Moore, helping to update us on the work of um, the end results of the work of the California Reparations Task Force and where we are now in the state of California. You mentioned, you gave us highlights of the package that the California Legislative Black Caucus has put forward. In addition to that, state California State Senator Steve Bradford has also put forward um, a package of reparations bills. He also served on the, the task force. Give us some highlights of his bills. Yes, absolutely. So State Senator Stephen Bradford, who yes, um, served on the task force, he's introduced a series of bills, one of which is Senate Bill 490, um, which would create a new state agency called the California American Freeman Affairs Agency. That was one of the recommendations from the task force, you know, an agency that would be responsible for processing cash payments and providing direct services and grants to descendants of slaves and oversight to existing state agencies. Um, to mark the first day of Black History Month, February 1st, he introduced additional legislation, for instance, SB 1013, which would provide property tax release to descendants of slaves in formerly redlined communities in the state of California. He also introduced SB 1007, which would uh, provide housing grants, compensation to descendants of slaves um, to buy or purchase a house uh, for first-time homebuyers, uh, for mortgage assistance to existing homeowners who are descendants of slaves, and also homeowners insurance. Um, he's also introduced SB 1050, which would provide, you know, land restitution or, you know, potential cash um, uh, alternative uh, for um, 
people who have had their land taken um, from the state via racially motivated eminent domain. Uh, so, And so that those would be are some similar of the to like the Bruce's Beach um, matter we've, we heard about, right? Yes, exactly. Absolutely. Okay, so um, clearly we're busy here in the state of California and we're looking forward to which of these bills will hopefully pass the legislature and um, like you said, also to future legislation that will be proposed. What's happening very quickly on a national level when we have the conversation about reparations? Is the conversation advancing nationally? Well, there are community groups um, like, um, you know, LEAP, um, NAASD, and many other organizations that are pushing President Biden um, to um, enact a federal reparations commission, be it executive order, because there's been some stalling um, in Congress. Um, however, you know, we do want to applaud um, folks like um, Representative uh, Jamal Bowman and uh, Representative Cori Bush, who have, you know, introduced and sponsored um, legislation calling for $14 trillion in reparations for Black Americans. Um, you know, you have H.R. 40, which is House Resolution 40, that was introduced by John Conyers every year for the past 30 years. That has pretty much stalled. Um, the new bill that uh, Cori Bush introduced is markedly uh, um, different in the sense that it places a, a, a price tag within uh, the bill in terms of what the United States owes. And that's that $14 trillion figure that has um, been undergirded by the work of, you know, Dr. William Garrity, who's an economist and author on, um, you know, books around reparations and who also served as a consultant to the California Reparations Task Force. Excellent insights. Um, wish we had more time, but when we come forward, we're going to close out our conversation for today only. We definitely invite attorney Camilla Moore to be a regular consistent guest on the Legal Lens Show, helping us keep updated on this very important discussion, evolving discussion on reparations. So stay tuned as we close out the conversation with attorney Moore. Disagree without disrespect. Make your point and keep it pushing. Let's do this. Listen and learn or talk and teach. Talking and listening around the clock. Around the clock. Around the clock. KBLA Talk 1580. Hot button political. Economic. Social and cultural issues as seen through a legal lens. Now back to Angela Reddick Wright. And thank you for tuning in to the Legal Lens Show this last hour as we have been in conversation with attorney Camila Moore, um, the uh, chairman, uh, chairperson of the California Reparations Task Force, which concluded its work in June 2023. Um, she's given us oversights of what's happened since the conclusion of their work and what's also happening on the national level. Um, attorney Moore, as someone who uh, is you know, clearly very passionate about this issue, has put the work in on the issue of reparations. If you could kind of wave your magic wand um, in terms of helping direct and guide how this conversation continues in California and nationally, what, what would you say needs to happen next? Or what would you like to see happen next, whether it be statewide or, or nationwide? Yes. So in terms of statewide, now I would like to see, you know, all of, for instance, uh, state Senator Bradford's bills being passed, all of the COBC's bills being passed, um, because that's going to move the needle for stronger legislation in the future, like cash payments. Um, and it's also going to move the needle for what repairs should and could look like in other states and nationally as well. 
now because California is the first state in the nation to kind of lead this work. And, you know, federally, nationwide, you know, also many task force members um, also have said, you know, we've laid the foundation for what, you know, federally repair could look like where, you know, Biden can do a federal commission by executive order, but they could technically skip the study phase because the 1100 page final report is so comprehensive. We we really just need commitments from legislators on the federal level to start um, implementing, you know, reparations legislation on the federal level, right? If you have State Senator Stephen Bradford, for instance, introducing bills like SB 107 that provides house housing cash payments, um, housing compensation for um, for folks who want to buy a home, for mortgage assistance, um, you know, in in recognition of the state's uh, responsibility and redlining and racially restrictive covenants. You know, the federal government had a role and responsibility in that as well. So, you know, we just need a federal le a legislator uh, to enact something similar on a, on a national level. So that that's the action that we really we really need at this this time. Wow, excellent, excellent insights. And for us to continue to follow your work or your thinking on this issue, um, how how do we follow you? Folks can follow me on social media across all platforms, Camila V as in Victoria Moore. Or you can go to my website as well, CamilaMoore.com. And um, there's a website you can sign up to get updates on, um, you know, the process of reparations in the state. I'm going to CaliforniaReparations.info. It's a website hosted by me and a few, you know, passionate folks in the reparations space. Oh, wonderful. I didn't know about your personal website or that website. So I look yeah. forward to signing up and following as well. Um, thank you, Attorney Moore, for joining us today and for being such a great friend and supporter of the Legal Lens Show. We always love having you on and look forward to having you return to, to kind of be one of our top experts to give us updates on the issue of reparations with respect to African-Americans um, in California and the United States. Um, folks, please stay tuned um, on KBLA Talk 1580. Up next, we have Talk Tech to Me with Cassie Betts. She always has a great show. And please tune in to the Legal Lens Show again next week, um, where we will continue to bring you top policy and legal experts on the legal and policy issues that matter to you most. Um, until next time, I leave you with the words of Rosa Parks as we celebrate, continue to celebrate Black history this month. She stated, I had no idea that history was being made. I was just tired of giving up. And we're so glad that Rosa Parks and others did not give up because we certainly stand on their legacies. Um, remember to smile and to show love and kindness to someone today. We need a lot more of that in the world. Until next time, signing off. This is Angela Redock-Wright with The Legal Lens Show on KBLA Talk 1580, where we always have a lot.